0: Hello, waffle lovers, and welcome to another episode of Whatever Flips Your Waffle on 365sportscast.com. I'm your host, Mark Domeyer, coming to you as always from the bunker deep in the heart of southern Minnesota. We are getting close to the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Vikings training camp is about to start. Much more on that coming up. Glad you decided to tune in and listen to... Some ramblings about Minnesota sports. Welcome to those of you who tune in each and every week. And a special thanks to those of you checking things out for the first time. I hope you'll enjoy it and come back to join us each and every week here on 365sportscast.com or later on on YouTube or Spotify. If you have any feedback, if you think you would be a good interview for the show, feel free to email me at waffleflipper22 at gmail.com or message me on Twitter at MrD. 1973. Sit back now, relax, prepare yourself for another helping of waffles, syrup optional. After this brief commercial break, I'll be back with my interview for the week. This week, we welcome back Troy Ramage of Vikings Daily. Stick around. Thanks to Brian Wayne and Wayne Farms for continuing to sponsor whatever flips your waffle as we recognize all the importance of our various people that work in the agriculture industries. This week I want you to think about the eggs on your table, the eggs that you use, whether it's making them for breakfast, using them to bake a cake, whatever it is. And uh, we certainly know that the price of eggs have gone up a little bit after some bird flu issues earlier in the year. But uh, those those chicken farmers, everything else, the people that are out there picking those eggs up uh, each and every morning are out there working just as hard as many of our other farmers. And again, these are the things that we think about and we just sort of rely on going to the store and getting some eggs or shopping at a local farmer who might be selling them as well. Uh, But there's a lot of work that goes into that, just like there is for all the other areas of agriculture we've been talking about. So think about that. Think about the work that goes into the eggs and making sure they are high quality when you buy them for your various needs. Thanks again to Brian Wayne and Wayne Farms for sponsoring the program. Joining Whatever Flips Your Waffle this week on 365sportscast.com, I'm pleased to welcome back Troy Ramage from Vikings Daily. He was on after the draft. We talked a lot about the draft, got a lot of great insight from Troy, and he's back with a special uh, training camp preview. Troy, welcome back to the program.
1: Thanks for having me, Mark. Good to be back.
0: Yeah, a lot of good information last time, so we want to tap into that again, and and Troy, being the, the huge Vikings fan you are, and, and I know last time you and I talked a little bit afterwards about training camp and everything, um, let's talk about training camp. You know, it's changed a lot. You know, I was at Mankato at MSU for so many years, and now I was moved over um, closer to the cities, to TCO Performance Center. Um, what are some of the biggest differences you've seen over the years in training camps, you know, from when you started attending till now?
1: Boy, this will date me because it's uh, (laughs) one of those people that say how great it was and how awful it is now. But it isn't awful. A lot of it is. A lot of it's better. They're they're closer to where their main fan base is now. Their facilities are unbelievable. And uh, people get to go home after practice. Right. But I guess I kind of, there was uh, maybe more of a nostalgia to the staying in the dorms and they're riding the bikes and and uh, catching them outside the buildings and it, it was from what we did it was uh i don't know if it was less organized but it was more uh more off the cuff than uh, prepared and i, I kind of like uh, i miss Mankato
0: right yeah well and and growing up in new Alm as i did I I remember one of my very early football memories is my dad taking me down to Mankato to training camp, and I didn't really know what was going on. I was, I don't even know how old I was, nine, ten years old maybe. But yeah, that kind of, you had really easy access to the players, and some were very forthcoming, and they'd come and sign autographs, and others just sort of went right by you. But uh, that was a a cool thing, and it was Mankato, so it was really close to Newall, you know, just a half hour drive down the road
1: exactly that that's what i mean and it's just uh it's it's maybe more corporate now it's more easily monetized you can control the tickets a little easier when you own the venue it's a lot easier Where, where are people parking where do they stand where do the players how do you get them on and off the field without you know kids running up with the football but i don't know it's uh it, it's probably the way everything's going to go. I, I get why they do it, and uh, beautiful facilities. It's still worth going. Right. I think part of the two is as you get older, and you get jaded. I, <laughs> I, like, I think kids would enjoy it as much now as they did in Mankato. So I'd still say take your kids and, and make some memories. Right.
0: Uh, you know, I recall too my wife and I going. Mankato as they were really starting to change it into more of a family event and and had some different activities for the kids and everything like that Um, but you know you talk about the corporate aspect of it and I think you know that staying in the dorms that was part of the team bonding you know these were guys if you go you know, way back in the day where they didn't have all these off season activities they didn't have all the structured time they had to go get another job because they couldn't afford to only play football.
1: That's right that's, you know, it, it, that's exactly right. It was a different time, and, and uh, I don't know. Now it's uh, it's obviously it's for the ones that take it serious. Uh, There's some that are just athletic freaks that you know, maybe let themselves go a little bit in their earlier years, and then later see they got a. It's it's year round. It's right year, year round working out. But there are every year you hear of a few that kind of forget that offseason doesn't mean you can do whatever you want Uh, sounds like Leonard Fournette with Tampa Bay's one this year yeah forget who said it but someone said he's a donut shy of 260 pounds he's supposed to be like 230 240 something like that yeah and uh I don't know. Every yeah. year, there's a few of those, but I I haven't heard of any for the Vikings yet, which is good.
0: Yeah, and you know, I I it's it's hard to imagine these these players who get paid twenty, thirty, forty million dollars a year, and and you're gonna go tell them to sleep in a dorm room somewhere, and <laughs> that just you know <laughs> that doesn't work. And you know, the great story, there are a lot of great stories about their times in Mankato, and some not so great. Um, yeah. uh, you know, Studwell running into the hardies in his car. He'd had a few too many. And um, I had a friend who was a manager of the Old Country Buffet in Mankato for a while. Um, she's kind of a regional manager. And she said they were petrified during training camp, but the Vikings would come in for the all you can eat buffet. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, there'd
1: be a few that, yeah, you, you might as well just close because they're gonna break you anyway
0: yeah yeah and that between that and uh, you know if you were down in Mankato I'm sure you had driven by Jake Stadium pizza at some point right near campus and um, that that was a big go-to for the Viking players as well so um, uh, yeah it's uh you know so TCO I haven't been up there yet myself but um, what's the best part of being there what's the be- that that, that change over you know just better facilities, everything else. Um, what's it like as a fan to be able to go to training camp there?
1: I think kind of similar too. Uh, not unlike U.S. Bank Stadium versus, you know, have you heard there aren't many people saying, geez, i missed the Metrodome. Right, <laughs> <no. laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like that, I guess. They just, they overdid everything. Everything is it's world class and i don't know if there's anyone doing it better they might do it as well but i think it'd be pretty tough to have nicer facilities so they're just they've built a world class organization everything they do is meant to be you want to play for us we're, we're we we don't have the lombardis in our trophy case but they're they're putting all the work in that they should uh, to get there, and they're not saving money anywhere. It was, it was pretty embarrassing, you know, their, their training facilities prior. It was pretty much a Quonset, not Mankato, but going back to Winter Park. Right. Uh, I remember when they brought uh, a fire van, he threw one of his uh, uh, rocket passes and stuck it in the drywall. And and, uh, people, you know, because that was one of the questions age, arm, everything. Does he still have it? And and he zipped one past someone and it stuck and went over, signed it, and you know, because it was kind of a hole in the wall. So (laughs) I'm not even sure if he didn't mean to do it, right? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) moment, yeah, Uh, so now it's not like that it's it's beautiful it, it's laid out well it's set up for fans before when they're going field to field uh, it there were just all kinds of opportunities to interact uh, which made the practices less efficient and there weren't natural boundaries where you should stay behind there were people that kind of had to wrangle you and it's, it's organized now it's it, it looks like they know what they're doing and they do. Right. So it's, uh, it's a beautiful facility and it it is worth going to.
0: Well, like you said, they're trying to woo different free agents. You got to spend money to be successful in professional sports. U S bank is one of the very best, you know, stadiums out there. And if this matches too, if you're, if you're torn between, do we, do I go to the Vikings? Do I go to somebody else And, and the money is close? Maybe choose the Vikings because of like you call it the world class facilities,
1: yeah, just to see the that, that facility is I mean if there's a good game also great, but it's worth walking around the building just to see it,
0: yeah it, yeah, uh,
1: this is similar it, it, it's uh if you're into football and you're curious how they're doing in training camp, it's a beautiful venue, uh, so the venue becomes part of the show and And
0: that's how it is here. Well, and that's the big difference between the Metrodome and these new stadiums. You know, U.S. Bank for the Vikings, Target Field for the Twins. Um, I forget the name that they changed it to now for the Gopher Stadium. It's not TCF anymore, Um, a new sponsor. But, you know, these are, it is, you go there. And and while I still have some fond memories of the Metrodome, just because I was very young and, and got a chance to go see professional games, it's nothing like walking around U.S. Bank. Or target field, nothing at all.
1: Yeah, it's exactly right. Target field, I can't remember. This is in the last, boy, seven years. It's been a little while, but it was rated the best venue of all venues. If you get to Madison Square Garden, oh, uh, it, from football, baseball, you know, Fenway versus uh, uh, any of the any of the sporting venues target field was number one. Wow. that uh, That's pretty interesting because they really shoehorned that
0: one in. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me, I've been there a few times where I wish they could have had a retractable roof on there, um, whether it was <laughs> cold and rainy or we were there on a hundred degree day and you know, those yep. kind of things. But still, I, there's nothing like outdoor baseball. Um, sometimes, you know, and I haven't been to, I, I've been to U.S. Bank for some high school football and some other things. Um, but my understanding is a lot of times on game day, it it plays and sometimes feels a little bit like you are outdoors, and you can see that on TV with the sun shining in through the big doors and windows and everything, we'll too. We'll have
1: to go to a game together, Mark. Yeah. Uh, we, have, uh, we have tickets. It, it is something to see. It, it's, uh, um, and I remember the feeling at, at TCF, uh, they, they had a couple of years there where they uh, had to between Metrodome, right. one Here, I can't remember. if It's one or two. Now it's what is it? Huntington Bank. That's what it is. is. Yep. No.
0: Yeah.
1: But it, the feeling of sitting outside, I thought this is pretty cool. It's, it, and I'm not going to have that feeling again for 30, 50 years after U.S. Bank. But got to U.S. Bank and it felt the same. You forget you're in a building. Yeah. Right. Uh, the then it feels like natural light it's uh there are seats where if you're looking into the light that there's a side of the stadium at certain times of the day it's smart to wear sunglasses <laughs> because it's hitting you in the face yeah. and and uh doesn't seem to hit the field they got it aimed right it hits the stand but it's uh no it's it, it's unbelievable it's even if it's a bad game it's worth going right if you enter the building It's some experience
0: yeah you know the great thing about these we got Troy Ramage back on whatever flips your waffle Vikings daily check that out um, a lot of great information as as training camp ramps up and we get to the season you'll find more and more on there um, you know the the Vikings also opened these things up and like TCO uh, I think has been they've had this women's professional soccer team the Aurora. Um, who have been very successful in playing there, and and I had a friend go and say it was just awesome, and he's a big soccer fan. You know, you, you play some baseball games in U.S. Bank, uh, just like they used to do at the Metrodome too. So a lot of opportunities for people, and you know, thanks to the Vikings and the Metropolitan Sports Commission too. Great planning to be able to make it multi-purpose if need be. Good point. Yeah, let's uh, let's turn to look. Uh, July thirtieth, I believe, is the magic day. Uh, where players report to training camp, and um, I, I, I was looking online and checking some things out at theAthletic.com, a great source for some good sports information, and and they had some speculating. So Troy, we're going to kind of speculate together here a little bit on some things as we, some maybe some storylines to look at uh, as we go into training camp here. So uh, let's start with this. Uh, Kellen Mond was. Kind of reviled by the previous coaching regime, um, does he get a really legitimate chance to become the, the quarterback two this year? Kirk Cousins is clearly number one, but Kellen Mond to be the backup.
1: Boy, well, I hope so. I I liked him when he was drafted. Um, it'll uh, we'll see uh, if Kwesi uh, and O'Connell. You know who knows how they had him ranked. Uh, O'Connell at the time with the Rams, and Coady right. with the Browns. But if if they saw in them whatever Spielman saw in them, uh, that'd be interesting because they they had some chances. There were some pretty cheap uh, free agent quarterbacks out there that even recently uh, could have been signed if they if they felt the need and they didn't do it and. Uh, if it's because Cousins has been so durable or they like Mond also and feel uh, he's where he should be, I don't know. I hope he gets a shake because uh, I, I like Sean Mannion, but not uh, not enough to be the second quarterback. I'd, I'd really like Mond to be in there.
0: Right, and because you want something, like you say, Cousins has been really durable, but you know, there's always the, and there's the COVID factor and there's, um, you know, anybody can get injured at any time. You can become sick with food poisoning. Who knows? You know, we've seen Mannion come in, and that's just not the guy you want if you have to win a game. And hopefully, okay. Kellen Mond could become that guy.
1: I completely agree. Uh, he was—he was my sleeper quarterback in that draft. Okay. He's and and trying to remember the name. I'll get it. Uh, but there was a pretty pretty tough, uh, pretty good. Prognosticator and I'm drawing the blank. I can picture him, which does not help. Uh, but he had—he uh, was the one uh, that, surprisingly, uh, the draft when people were debating how good Trubisky was going to be. He liked the sleeper pick, Mahomes, uh, that went <laughs> later. Chicago moved up to take Trubisky and Chris Sims. Just there you got, go. Yep. Pick Mahomes he also felt Mond was the sleeper pick in that draft of the quarterbacks okay and, uh, Mond just never got a shot with the Vikings they he, they drafted him but obviously there's a disconnect between uh, Spielman and Stimmer yeah. just because it doesn't mean the coach is going to give you a shot but who knows maybe yeah. he did give him a shot didn't like him uh, we'll, we'll see but I that's a uh, I agree. I really hope he he pans
0: out. Well, and, and I, got, I have to imagine he's going to get plenty of reps in some of the preseason games and everything too. And you know, you said too, there's there's other quarterbacks like Cleveland. I think just signed Josh Rosen to a one year deal. Um, yes. And because they're, <laughs> we could probably spend half an hour dissecting their quarterback situation, but that's not nearly relevant to <laughs> to the Vikings. But um, yeah, there's other guys. So so hopefully. Um, because you hate to have thrown away a draft pick on a quarterback of all things because Cousins won't be around forever either.
1: That's exactly right. And mine was, I don't know. He was, uh, if you look at the quarterbacks in our division, uh, you got Rodgers, obviously. Yeah. Because there's a big drop off, uh, to Fields and Goff and maybe Fields will step out, uh, I don't know. I think Goff is what he is. People think that on Cousins, but we'll see. Uh, uh, cousins, uh, uh, there's a, Dustin Baker's done a great job breaking it down on his site. Um, how Cousins basically is Stafford and why, uh, you know, Kwesi and O'Connell could have gone a different direction. They, they obviously, they wiped the board clean, uh, getting rid of head coach and, You know, getting rid of Zimmer and Spielman and bringing in Quasi and O'Connell. So, if they wanted to clean the deck, Cousins was the main thing left to clean. But they're guessing both O'Connell and Quasi felt Cousins could fill the role that Stafford did a lifetime 500 quarterback that's very accurate, uh, pretty deadly downfield. And uh, for whatever reason, the team's. Have not been solid around them last year. Twenty-seventh-ranked defense uh, didn't help. It doesn't help with how good your offense is if you're that poor of defense. But last year, uh, uh, Cousins had the most 15-yard-plus games of any 15-yard-plus uh, gains of any quarterback in the NFL, and had the fewest turnovers. Normally, they don't go together. If you're right. A, not dinking and dunking, which he's always accused of, but for being accused of it, he had the most 15-yard-plus games and the least turnovers. Normally that equals playoffs, but if you have a bad enough defense, it <laughs> doesn't. <laughs> yeah. So instead of wiping the slate clean and starting over, they, uh, he's, he's an accurate passer, and he maybe doesn't elevate the team, but he also doesn't cost them games. So, uh, I don't know. We'll see what they can do with them. Uh, Obviously, L.A., uh, you know, the Rams had Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and Von Miller. We don't have any of those three. Right. (laughs) I mean, their defense was enough to keep them in games, but I don't know. We also have some depth where they don't. We have a running back they don't, and I like our wide receivers as much better than theirs.
0: Yeah. Well let's talk about the wide receivers. That's on my list of uh of some training camp storylines here for the Vikings. Uh chances that they keep up to seven receivers on this roster. They're very deep at receiver. Can they carry seven receivers and make and justify that?
1: I actually have them keeping seven right now. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> And it's way too early. Yeah, it's obviously who knows who shines. Uh, but yeah, I, I they've got twelve going to camp, and I I have them keeping uh, Justin Jefferson obviously. Yeah. Eland uh, Osborne uh, uh, Smith Merced uh, Ola coming off an injury would have been the uh, third receiver that KJ ended up being. Right. But he coming off an injury. I don't know on on Dan. Uh, uh, Chisina, he's uh, maybe the fastest person on the team. Uh, for sure makes it as a special teams weapon if he's anywhere close. They drafted uh, Jalen Naylor, uh, who, uh, uh, here I go, I think it was it, it was uh, sixth round, but he's a kick returner, punt returner. Uh, but he's going to, uh, I, I believe he makes the team. And there's an Albert Wilson that uh, they signed in free uh, agency that uh, knows the offense, knows uh, the offensive coordinator, and and, and O'Connell uh, played for both and right. also had major. So yeah. I, I have all them making it, and if they're the only ones that make it, they're cutting some – they got some good other – there's that scenario depth for them if they need to trade a player – after training camp, uh, to pick up another one due to an injury or whatever. It it could very well be a wide receiver.
0: Right. Well, and you mentioned Jalen Naylor, indeed sixth-round pick. And this is another thing, the athletic, again, we're just speculating. You know, we might sit here in two months and go, well, we're brilliant. Or we might say, that was, what were we thinking? But uh, (laughs) uh, Jalen Naylor, they speculate he could be the guy, you know, they used to name Mr. Mankato when they were at MSU. He could be that guy that really shines at training camp, grabs attention. And, and the idea of being that punt returner, like yep. you say, it's kind of wide open. Um, and that's a great place for a young guy to kind of step in and, and make a name for himself.
1: Completely agree. And he's very interesting. He, he plays faster than a speed, like they say. Uh, he's a four or five To give you an idea, Thielen came in at a sub four. four. I think he was a 4'. Three eight something like that at his training camp, and Naylor is a four or five, but he gets open, very very deceptive, very uh, advanced in his in his uh, route running, and uh, sure hands, uh, which you need as a kick returner, punt returner, also. Yep. Uh, I don't know they. Everyone's wondering who's going to be the Cooper Cup. Is it Justin Jefferson? Is it Thielen? Is it Mailer? It's nice to have three that could be. Right. I think Thielen, myself, I think they'll use him. Uh, I'm hoping for a big bounce back year for him. And uh, he's got speed that Cup doesn't have. He's very elusive, he's a red zone target. and uh, that, that would just uh, free uh, Jefferson up even more. And right. uh, I don't know, it be interesting. One of the big questions, are, are we still going to be a running team to set up the pass <laughs> or are we going to be a passing team? And I think we're going to be a passing team.
0: Yeah. We've got uh, Troy Ramage back on Whatever Flips Your Waffle. We've been so baseball-intensive a lot lately for obvious reasons, and it's exciting to talk about football again. Uh, Vikings Daily is... Is Troy's domain, uh, and you keep leading into my uh, some of my storylines here. You know, the are we a running team or are we a passing team? Or there's that the idea that they're going to get really creative with their running backs, and we're going to see some formations we hadn't thought of before, um, utilizing our running backs in different scenarios.
1: Completely agree again. Uh, <laughs> this, uh, I, I think what. Cook loses in rushing yards, he's going to gain back in receiving yards. I, I think it's total yards. He, he may not be the workhorse that he was last year, but um, last year was one of his, you know, he's, he's been prone to injury, as has Thielen lately. I, I think if they spread it around a little bit, uh, C.J. Ham's another one. It's going to be interesting to see with their, uh, uh, they didn't have, a fullback with the Rams, yet they, they've got C.J. Ham coming in. But did they use him as a uh, – could he be a tight end, too? Then right. They really don't – after Conklin left, uh, they don't have the depth behind Irv Smith. Uh, they, they drafted Nick Mews uh, seventh round, and uh, I don't know. They've uh, – who is it, Johnny Munt and Ben and they they got a few in there. Right, but, uh, it's odd to keep him uh, when they're not bringing a, a copycat offense. Apparently, if they, if we got a fullback uh, contending in there, but he's, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in some tight end situations.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. Well, and you know what? It, when when they were such a run heavy offense, he was so important, and people don't always realize that you know helping create those holes for Delvin Cooker. Or Madison, or all those guys, but um, I saw he had tweeted out recently how excited he is to get to work, and and um, you know he's just one of those kind of workhorse guys that you appreciate having on the team.
1: That's exactly right. And tight ends are not always uh, down the field threats. Sometimes they are uh, more blocking tight ends. In fact, most cases they are. And uh, if they're feeling that. Uh, uh, Er, Smith is going to be their threat. Uh, I could see uh, he is obviously a good blocker. CJ Ham. Uh, he could be a blocking tight end that also has hands. So, right? I don't. Uh, I I'm excited for what this offense could be. I I don't think it's going to be uh, third and short, and it's obviously a running play anymore. I think. I think those things are done. Yeah. I
0: hope those things are done. Yeah, I was I was speculating. Recently, my uh, fantasy football commissioner got a hold of me about something. I started thinking about fantasy football a little bit. I thought, boy, a lot of people are going to draft Vikings just on the assumption that this offense is going to be something very, very special. And if you're a fantasy football player, um, people are going to be grabbing Vikings left and right, which I hate doing personally because it's so <laughs> difficult. <laughs> I, I want my Vikings to win. But when they don't, and then I also lose in fantasy football. That's even <laughs> even more difficult. Um,
1: uh, one thing on that uh, is kind of interesting. Sports Illustrated uh, Vikings are one. Of, they had them as one of the top five teams as far as skill, position, weapons. Yeah. Yeah, nineteenth overall. So if you look <laughs> at the team overall, they're saying nineteenth strongest team. Yeah, top five at the skill positions. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, that's fantasy football. They're they're thinking the same way. Delvin, Thielen, KJ, uh, uh, Justin Jefferson, right? Uh, Irv Smith. Wow. I yeah. Mean, that's. I. It, it's it sounds kind of scary uh, to go against that. Uh,
0: right. Uh, you can't uh, cover them all. You know.
1: Yeah. Uh, only one ball though. So. Whoever they're throwing to, the other ones are looking at them like, "What about me?" Yeah.
0: Well, and that's the danger from a fantasy perspective. And we won't get too in depth. We'll I'll do something in August about that. But uh, you know, yeah, I might draft Justin Jefferson and think he's going to be this great All Pro everything, but they might spread it around so much, he's going to still have good numbers, but not where I would draft him. But um, right,
1: like picking a Patriots running back to yeah. start <laughs> in it, it could end up that
0: way. Yeah. 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 Uh, the right guard job is up for grabs, and again, the athletic speculates that Chris Reed might be in the forefront to win that right guard job.
1: Wow, interesting. Um, that's that's interesting. I hadn't heard that. Uh, I that'd be uh, I had heard him as a backup, but that's uh, that, that's one to watch. It's, yeah. I think right guard. You know, right now they got Ed, Ed Ingram, uh, Jesse Davis, who they got from the Dolphins, uh, Wyatt Davis, who was the big pick. Or I I was excited uh, two years ago. Right. Never saw, you know. Um, so they they have all the old names we used to know are gone. And uh, good riddance. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, no, I I'd hope. Uh, Chris Reed uh, played for the Colts, and uh, when so he was a nice free agent acquisition uh, that we were able to get. And, and uh, him, Jesse Davis, and Ed Ingram, and I'm sure Wyatt wants to say something in there too.
0: Right. Well, and and who knows? Again, it's it's just you know prognosticating a little bit, but you know once they get into training camp and they get to kind of full speed and really have that offense implemented. That's what it'll really show, you know. Who can, who can uh, work under pressure, and and who's gonna, you know, fit with the rest of the line and work well together? Because that's that's so important. You know, we have all these offensive weapons, but if Kirk Cousins doesn't have time to drop back and, you know, scan the field a little bit at times, we could be in trouble.
1: That's true.
0: So we'll we'll have to see where that where that heads out. Let's uh, let's talk about defense a little bit, because we know the offense should probably be there. It's the defense that struggled so much last year, and um, I know you were pretty excited about drafting Andrew Booth Jr. Uh, in, yep. the, in the second round, cornerback, but the Athletic is speculating a little bit. They say, you know, that's a tough spot to come in as a rookie, and they think that at least to start the season, Cameron Dansler might be the starter, and Booth might work his way into that rotation i completely agree and i'd have as a
1: dark horse to watch the uh, caleb evans oh yeah Uh, but uh patrick peterson will be obviously in there too but uh andrew booth uh second round draft pick for the vikings this last year uh had uh has had some injury concerns he's the one with uh i forget how to pronounce it it's like osgood schlatter
0: oh yeah yep you got it yeah
1: yeah, late pain, and he's had tendonitis in the knee. And he, he was going to be one of those, if he wouldn't have got injured, they always have a few of these people. A sure, top 10 pick, that kind of shutdown <laughs> corner kind of thing. But he, that, that's his uh, fate. But Kwesi, uh, going into the draft, said he's got this player that he really likes and just hopes he can get him. And he didn't pull the trigger first. He had two picks in the second. Had a pick in the third. Didn't do it. And in the fourth, he quick uh, traded some picks and moved up. It wasn't all moving down. He moved up and took uh, Caleb Evans. And uh, we'll see. Uh, I know he likes him, so they're for sure going to give him a look at him. And uh, but yeah, Booth. Unbelievable skills, and, and uh, Patrick Peterson has the experience. So, Camp Dantzler is an odd one. He was, uh, I think, it was Week Eleven forward. Could have done Week Ten forward, but uh, pro football focused. He was the top-rated cornerback in the whole NFL. Week Eleven forward. Wow. Forward. So it took him a while uh, to go through whatever learning curve, and now. Now we'll see. Uh, can he pick up where he left off? And and uh, uh, if he pick up at that pace, uh, uh definitely in there. Yeah, and Peter Peterson's a second. But it'll be interesting between uh, Booth and McEwen.
0: Yeah, it'd be nice to have depth in our defense too. You know, so <laughs> we'll have That's to enough. see. Yeah, uh, Jalen Twyman. Uh, as an interior pass rusher, uh, the Athletic was talking about the opportunity that he could really become, you know, the, the defense is going to be a lot different this year, um, certainly, but they think that he, he could earn a really big role on this defense through his um, production and training camp, and it might be a name that you start to hear a little bit more um, going into the season.
1: I'll watch you that. That's interesting. Uh, I had him... Uh... Third, but there's no reason he couldn't jump ahead of my second because my second is a fifth round pick. Yeah, Uh, Minnesota uh, Ucizzi. So it's uh, and it's pretty tough as a rookie to make make the team. So I I mean, not make the team, but uh, beat out someone. Right. Uh, uh, That'd be great. That's like you said. It's uh, depth is so big. I mean, and. We we've been so thin for so long. I'm I'm hoping there are two three. We can argue between like who's the best right guard, you know who's who's the best uh, right edge, uh, left end. It's uh, I don't know. I I hope we have some depth instead of if you have a clear cut starter like we do, for instance, Camille Hunter and Zadarius Smith with left edge, right edge. Um, either one goes down, then what? Right. Um, yep and Patrick Jones and you know there are other players Janarius Robinson but it's a drop off from uh, uh, Smith and Hunter so yeah we need that depth and hopefully some of these people like Patrick Jones who also was a draft pick a year ago never uh, got injured never really saw the field much hopefully this is their year they come back and do something
0: right Uh, there's a name floating out there who's a free agent and apparently it's down to the Vikings and the Raiders. And Sue. any interest in having him on this team?
1: Yeah, uh, we got uh, again obvious. Uh, our, our it's Delvin Tomlinson right now at nose tackle, and I'm guessing that's where they put him. Uh, or. If he's a defensive tackle, I don't know what he's playing. I don't know what weight anymore at his age, but uh, we have need at both. Uh, Armand Watts and James Lynch are our main defensive tackles. Sue's obviously a bigger name than any of those. I, I, I don't know. My, my dream free agent, we got an opening right now. I believe I, I was away from the computer today. I don't know if we picked anyone up. But we did have an opening after we let Nate uh, Stanley, our fourth quarterback, go, um, and I kind of like to see J.C. Treader at center. I just oh yeah, I, I I feel vulnerable with Garrett Bradbury. I heard he gained weight. It'll be interesting to see if he plays bigger. But when you put someone like Sue over someone like Bradbury, they they hardly slow them down, I mean, they can go right over them, right. and that's the scary thing, like, when, if you're lining up against an Aaron Donald, you don't have someone with some cement in their pants, uh, you push pushing right into the quarterback, and I don't care what play you have, you're in trouble. Yeah. I don't know, it'd be fun to have a Sue, but it'd also be nice to have Treader <laughs> Yeah. So, well, they're,
0: they're the two I'd like to see. Yeah, well I, I hadn't seen anything myself, and, and who knows by the time this airs on Wednesday, things could change dramatically yeah. too. Um, sometimes these guys, uh, they kind of hold out a little bit longer because they don't want to have to be in training camp the whole time. <laughs> you know?
1: and, well that's uh, it, I'm hoping that's what the deal is on Treader. Quazy uh, was with him in Cleveland so he knows if he's good or not he's getting he's at the end of his career does he have another year or so in him uh if he doesn't that would explain why they haven't gotten him or if he just doesn't want to be there when it's hot uh (laughs) and if you know how to play center we know you know how Uh, right yeah yeah it's hard to say they're pretty smart at this point they they want they like playing the games on sunday but training camp isn't fun
0: no no We'll finish with this, Troy, uh, it seems when I look around, there's a lot of excitement building about the Minnesota Vikings. In some areas of the NFL world, they're kind of becoming that trendy pick to make a run this year. I've seen more than one so-called expert say that they're going to beat out the Packers for the division title and, and have a real shot in the NFC. Is this see? I mean, you're excited, I'm excited, of course, because we're, we're big fans. But is that realistic excitement to think that we can make that big a jump this year?
1: I drink the Kool-Aid, so I'm <laughs> the wrong one. I'd say definitely. The reason I'd argue it is, is they came back with pretty much the same lineup. Now the same lineup, you could argue, well they were eight, nine, which is true, but they also had the most games decided by the fewest number of points in the history of the NFL. They just yes. They, they weren't being blown out. They were blowing it at the end of the first half and second half, last two minutes of both those. They gave up the games. Now, if they can just not be awful for, the, for those moments, it would have been, I think it was 14-2 uh, and two if they wouldn't have done that. <laughs> I don't know. That's They did do it, so you can't say Right, but, right. But, uh, Green Bay is the obvious one to beat. They lost Devontae Adams. They, they uh, the main guy they picked up is is a rookie uh, and unsigned right now. I think, and again, I haven't checked the computer today. There's uh, Andrew Booth for us hasn't signed. He was like the 42nd pick, right? In, uh, the NDSU wide receiver uh, and blank uh, is a Christian walk. No,
0: I'm, I am. Uh, <laughs> it's been a uh, long day walk- for both of us.
1: It's like delete from memory when the Packers took (laughs) him. But uh, he was taken at the 37th or 38th spot. Vikings traded out of the spot. Packers moved up, took him. And uh, um, the reason he hasn't signed, the Jets a year ago went and broke the bank. And uh, their receiver, they took him that same 37th position. They guaranteed the first three years part of the fourth and normally it's a two year or something guarantee. Right. so now people drafted around there are slow to sign because they want the same deal that the Jets gave a year ago so he's right now not signed so Rodgers had a receiver he felt comfortable with he's gone now he's got a rookie he's never thrown to he's not showing up yet and uh I don't know. There's
0: reason for optimism, yep. I think. Yep. And there always is. There are always these teams that didn't make the playoffs the year before. There's always yep. a big turnover in that area. And uh, why not us? I, I think you're right that there's, uh, there's a lot of reason for that hope and optimism. Well, Troy, uh, Vikings Daily. Check it out. A lot of good stuff. And again, training camp right around the corner here. And he's going to have a lot of great information there keeping up on our Minnesota Vikings. Troy, thanks again for coming back and joining us here on the program.
1: Thank
0: you, Mark. And now it's time for the state of Minnesota sports. Uh, Listen to Troy and I go through a lot of Viking speculation about the uh, training camp coming up. And as I was preparing to do this segment and get things ready for you to listen on Wednesday, I was looking through some things on ESPN. And while we talked about whether Andrew Booth Jr. might be a starter or not, they seemed very positive that he would be a starter for the Vikings, a lot remains to be seen, and of course, uh, he's got that injury history, and, and we'll have to see. I foresee a little bit more of, um, you know, the Vikings trying to work guys in and out of the lineup, um, and and you know, Patrick Peterson's getting up there in age a little bit, and not having to play him quite as much. Who knows? The other thing that ESPN was talking about was Lewis, seen the first-round pick for the Vikings, and uh, the fact that they are convinced that he will be a starter. You don't draft a guy like that in the first round to put him on the bench. But again, I foresee. I mean, you've got Harrison Smith there at the uh, at the safety position, and I I foresee you know seen being in there, um, Bynum being in there, uh, you know some of these other guys that uh, that that could have shown themselves. You're not going to just see this guy every single game is going to be a starter, uh, unless he really comes out of the gates blazing. And, uh, and really proves himself. So a lot of things are going to come. It'll be very exciting to watch and, and to see. And, you know, one thing ESPN pointed out was that, really, the Vikings fired their general manager, fired their coach, and didn't make a lot of significant changes in the personnel. There's a lot of returning people uh, to this Vikings roster outside of the new draft picks, um, you know, somebody like Irv Smith Jr. coming back from injury. And so... The idea that Kevin O'Connell is going to be the savior at coach, well, that'll be an interesting storyline as the season goes on. The Lynx, I, yeah, I don't know. As I um, am preparing this, they are two and a half games out of the final playoff spot. They have seven games left. It's not impossible. Um, but as Coach Cheryl Reeve said this past week, we're going to need some help to do that. Well, part of that is you're going to have to beat teams that are over 500, and that seems to be a stretch for them these days. They're in games, but at this stage in the season, uh, kumbayas only goes so far. And um, again, seven games left, two and a half games out. Uh, that's a tough road. And it's not like there are no teams between them. There's There are two teams. I think it's New York and Phoenix that are between them in that last playoff spot. Um, so not only do you have to keep winning, but you got to hope that those teams do not. And our twins, <clears throat> this is a tough thing for me to speculate and talk about a little bit because uh, off day on Monday and by the time as I'm preparing this, um, generally on Tuesdays, you know they're they're playing in Milwaukee. They'll have finished the two game set in Milwaukee. You know they, they beat Detroit pretty handily, did a nice job coming out of the all-Star break and beating a team two times that they should beat, especially with their top two pitchers. And really, Joe Ryan and Sonny Gray looked really good coming out of the All-Star break. Uh, Sonny Gray especially kind of has regained his form, his swagger out there, if you will. Uh, And the offense kind of came in bunches, sometimes because Detroit isn't that good in their defense. They gave away runs. Um, But other times they started hitting the ball a little bit too. Um, And now, you know, like I say, you'll be listening to this and they'll have finished off in in Milwaukee, um, not with their best pitchers in the rotation, but the bullpen should be well-rested. And we'll have to see how uh, things work out with that. And then off to San Diego, uh, a tough series with the Padres. And, uh, you know, the good thing, I think, is that they're playing the Padres before the trade deadline because the Padres are in talks for Juan Soto. That's a possible landing spot and um, wouldn't really want to have to face him, one of the best players in baseball. And what will have been answered by the time you listen to this is what will have happened with Miguel Sano. He has to come off the injured list. His rehab assignment has to be done unless somehow they determine that he needs another one and he agrees to that. I don't think he will. He's hitting the ball out of the park in St. Paul and a lot of it hinges perhaps Max Kepler's going on the injured list, and if so, that's an easy solution for the Twins. If not, it's not quite as easy. A lot of talk about Gilberto Celestino going down. The problem there is who plays center field when Byron Buxton's not out there. Uh, Celestino's best at that. Um, you know, you can put Nick Gordon out there. There's a lot of, lot of difficulty. Actually, Sano coming back hampers the flexibility of this lineup a little bit because you're not going to put him in the field. Uh, but I think it's worth a try. He gets hot, hits a bunch of home runs, helps win some games, uh, and, and then you w- see what happens uh, going into September and the postseason. And that's the state of Minnesota sports. And now it's time for this week in Minnesota sports history with a big focus on on the trade deadline history of your minnesota twins as well as other things on july 27th in 1978 mike cubbage became the fifth twin to hit for the cycle in a six to three home win over toronto he was the only twin that did it in four plate appearances he didn't need five and get an out somewhere or walk i did in four straight plate appearances on july 27th in 1990 the twins traded john candelaria to toronto for nelson lariano and Pedro Munoz. Of course, Munoz would play on that 91 World Series team. July 27th in 1991, Dan Gladden hit a walk-off three-run home run in a 7-4 win over Milwaukee, the third straight game that Gladden drove in the game winner. That's pretty impressive. That's hard to do. In 2018, on July 27th, the Twins traded Eduardo Escobar to Arizona. That wasn't a popular move at the time. Escobar is well-liked by Twins fans, and of course the Twins themselves, but one of the people they got back was Joanne Duran, who has been pitching well for the Twins this year. They also that day traded relief pitcher Ryan Presley to Houston for Jorge Alcala and Gilberto Celestino. Twins were going nowhere in 2018. Uh, Presley has turned into a very good relief pitcher for Houston. Um, Alcala, when he is done being hurt. We'll hopefully show that. And Celestinos played a really crucial role for the Twins this year as a backup player. In 2019, on July 27th, the Twins traded for Sergio Romo, getting him from Miami for Luan Diaz. Romo uh, did pretty well for for a while and has moved on to um, other play. I think, in fact, he might have been cut now even by Seattle recently. On July 28th, in 1998, the Twins beat Kansas City on the road 3-0. Todd Walker tied two team records in that game with his ninth straight hit and his 11th straight time reaching base. Again, impressive feats from Todd Walker. In 2001, on July 28th, the Twins traded Mark Redman to the Tigers for Todd Jones. Todd Jones, of course, his facial hair would stand out if you saw it. You go, oh, yeah, that guy, he was a, a good relief pitcher, pretty fiery out there as well. As the Twins are starting to become relevant again at that time. In 2012, on July 28th, the Twins traded Francisco Liriano to the White Sox for Eduardo Escobar, who six years later they would turn around and trade again. In 2021, on July 28th, the Twins lost to Detroit 17 14. That's right, it feels more like a Vikings-Lions score. Uh, the Twins became the fourth team in history to sit to hit seven home runs and still lose. For Detroit, every starter had at least one hit, one run, and one RBI. On July 29th in 2010, the Twins traded Willie Ramos to Washington for Matt Caps. We're seeing a little bit of a theme here, getting some pitchers, some relief pitchers sometimes. We'll see if the Twins do that this year as well. And in 2018, on July 29th, former Twins Jack Morris and Jim Tomey were inducted into the Hall of Fame. Not as Twins, but of course both were very important in Twins history. On July 30th, in 2000, 2001, the Twins traded Matt Lawton to the, Red, to the Mets for Rick Reed. Lawton was a good outfielder for the Twins, but again, as they were kind of making a turn here um, toward becoming a good team again, they needed to shake things up a bit. In 2007, on July 30th, the Twins traded Luis Castillo to the Mets for Drew Butera, they would trade again um, sometime after that, and he ended up in Kansas City as a catcher, son to Sal Butera, who caught for the Twins as well. In 2017, the Twins traded Jaime Garcia to the Yankees less than a week after trading for him, and they got back Zach Little, who uh, pitched in the Twins' bullpen for some time. In 2018, the Twins traded Lance Lynn to the Yankees and Zach Duke to the Mariners. Again, it was kind of a fire sale in 2018. Uh, Lynn is with the White Sox right now, of course. In 2021, the Twins made three trades. Jose Barrios to Toronto for Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson. Hansel Robles to Boston for a minor league pitcher and J.A. Happ to the Cardinals for a couple minor league players. I was kind of surprised they got anything for Robles and Happ based on the way they've been pitching. But they got something. On July 31st, lots of action in the Twins' history. In 1972, Dick Allen hit two inside-the-park home runs against the Twins, both off Burt Blylevin. He didn't just let him hit it over the fence. And the White Sox beat the Twins 8-1. Allen was the seventh player at that time to have done that. In 1981, on July 31st, the Major League Baseball strike ended, with play resuming later in August. In 1987, the Twins got lefty Steve Carlton, from the Indians. He was part of that World Series victory. In 1989, the Twins traded Cy Young winner Frank Viola to the Mets. Not a popular move at the time, but look at what they got back. Rick Aguilera, Kevin Tappany, and most notably David West as well. And Those three guys are the ones you think about the most. Uh, Aguilera, of course, was tremendous for the Twins. Tappany was a good starting pitcher. West um, was serviceable as well. Uh, a good trade when you look back on it. In 1995, the Twins had a six-player deal with the Dodgers. We gave up Kevin Tappany at that point, and Mark Guthrie got back Ron Coomer, who was a fan favorite for the Twins. In 1996, Brad Radke became the first pitcher in Twins history to retire the side on three pitches in a 9-3 win over Baltimore at the Dome. Not going to see that very often. If the first two guys go down on a pitch each, most of the time the third guy is going to take a, take a pitch no matter what. In 2004, as part of a four-team trade, the Twins sent Doug Minkiewicz to Boston. My old uh, teaching partner in crime, Mrs. Georgia Danine, was sad when that day happened. She always loved her Doug Minkiewicz as he played first base for the Twins. In 2006, the Twins traded Kyle Loesch to the Reds for a pitcher that never made the big leagues. Loesch went on to pitch for quite some time yet. In 2009, the Twins traded for Orlando Cabrera from Oakland. In 2017, the Twins traded Brandon Kinsler to Washington. I remember that year, the players were pretty upset. They thought they still had a chance, and uh, the team seemed to be trading away. I never was a big fan of Kinsler as a relief pitcher, um, but a lot of people were. In 2018, the Twins traded Brian Dozier to the Dodgers. Uh, Dozier had kind of done his time here. He was out of baseball not too many years after that. Uh, Devin Smeltzer is one of the pieces that came to Minnesota as part of that and in 2019, the Twins received Sam Dyson from the Giants for three minor league players. Uh, Dyson ended up, he came into the game to try to save at the first game with the Twins. He had arrived after the game started, um, after that trade, and then he blew that save and, of course, ended up being injured, and there were all kinds of issues with Sam Dyson. On August 1st in 1985, the Twins got Burt Blylevin back in a trade with the Cleveland Indians. Then in 1986, on that same day, Bert Blylevin reached 3,000 strikeouts in a 10-1 Twins win over er- Oakland. Kirby Puckett became the first twin to hit for the cycle in the Metrodome that same day. In 1994, Cal Ripken Jr. became the second player to play in 2,000 straight games in a 1-0 win over the Twins. Of course, he eventually uh, overtook Lou Gehrig, who had the record. That is a record that will never be broken. In 2007, on a sad note, the I-35W bridge collapsed not far from the Metrodome, but after a moment of silence, it was felt that it was best to play the game rather than send all those people back out on the roads. There were a lot of emergency vehicles and stuff. The Twins lost to the Royals 5-3, and the next day they did uh, postpone their game to allow for some other uh, things to happen out on those devastated roads. Well, that'll do it for another Helping of Waffles here at 365sportscast.com. I'm glad you decided to spend an hour with me. Hope you'll continue to tune in each and every week right here at 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central. If you can't catch the original broadcast, each week's episode will replay every evening at 365sportscast.com at that same time. Shows also archive to Spotify and YouTube. Remember, shoot me an email, waffleflipper22 at gmail.com. Message me on Twitter at MrD1973. We'll be back next week with another look at Minnesota sports. How will the Twins roster look after the trade deadline? Will we still be feeling giddy about the Vikings a little ways into training camp? Come on back and find out. I'll have another special guest to delve into all that and more. Thanks again for joining me. This is Mark Domeyer signing off with Syrup.